and everyone online. I'm Cheska Tennant, one of the occasional preachers, and I've got the joy of preaching on Matthew 24 today. This is part of our Advent series, and in Advent, traditionally, as well as looking forward to Christmas and celebrating the birth of Jesus, we also look forward to the end of time when Jesus comes back. Now, I have to confess that I'm not very good at the end time stuff. I've read a lot about it, but I really can't get my head around it. Most of the stuff about the end of time in the Bible is a genre called apocalyptic literature. And that is basically, it's very symbolic, it's full of metaphors, it's poetic, and it doesn't make much sense. Um, And a lot of it is written not to actually talk about the future, but to give a message to the people of that time. And Matthew 24 is one of the most puzzling, I think, and and Matthew 24 and the the, the similar passages in Luke and Mark, they're very puzzling. And I won't have time to unpack Matthew 24 in 17 minutes. So what I suggest you do, if you want to know more, if you get a copy of um, Tom Wright's um, Matthew for Everyone, um, volume two, and and read that, because that has um, got some of the, um, the arguments I'm using today. Because the one thing I found when I started looking at Matthew 24 is almost everything I believed about it was probably not right. So let's have a look. Matthew 24, if you, if you want to get it open before you, Matthew 24 actually starts in the temple when Jesus and his disciples were there just before Jesus' death. Now, the temple was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life. And the temple was the center of Jerusalem. It was the place the Jews believed where God physically lived on earth. And it was the place where people did their business with God. So it was utterly important to them. And it was a very beautiful building. This was the third temple on this site, and it was magnificent. And the disciples were enjoying the architecture and bringing it to Jesus' attention. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down, which confused the disciples. So afterwards, they had a little chat on the Mount of Olives, and they asked Jesus some questions. Now, what you have to understand about Jesus and the disciples was at this moment, they were completely at cross purposes. So Jesus knew he was going to Jerusalem to die. The disciples were waiting for him to raise an army, kick out the Romans, and rule as king in a new age where Israel was the most important country on earth. So they were talking at cross purposes already, and they had questions to ask. And they were asking, first of all, that they couldn't quite work out how the whole destruction of the temple would fit in with the, their picture of the messianic age. So they were asking, well, when's this going to happen? But they also wanted to know a sign. They'd been waiting three years, and Jesus hadn't even started raising the army yet. So they wanted a sign for that, and then they wanted to know about the end times. And so Jesus starts talking to them. But for Jesus... There are three separate, at least 
probably two or three separate events that are going to happen. There's the destruction of the temple, and there's him coming back, and there's also him being in glory, and they're all different. And he starts talking, and it's all mixed up. And it takes a lot of unravelling, which we're not going into today. But what I've done is I've done a little timeline for you. And it kind of starts, don't, don't worry if you can't read it. Um, we'll go through it in more detail. It starts obviously with Jesus' death and resurrection. And then the next thing is, if you remember from the passage, it says, the Son of Man coming on the clouds... Um, in power and great glory. Now, most people put that at the end. That's the end of history. But Tom Wright gives a good um, reason for it's actually being Jesus' ascension. I mean, it might be both. Jesus is probably going to come in clouds at the end of time. But what we're looking at is the book of Daniel, where Daniel, that's what, what uh, Jesus is referring to, Daniel 7 which is about the Son of Man coming on the clouds. But if you actually look to where the Son of Man is coming on the clouds, he's not coming to earth. He's coming to the Ancient of Days. That is God. And God is giving him all power, all glory, all authority and dominion over everything forever. So if we put... Jesus being ascending to glory, being Jesus coming on the clouds, he's coming to take his place as ruler of the universe. And in a sense, that's what the people needed to know. The small, vulnerable church needed to know not just that Jesus was coming at the end of time, but that Jesus was Lord there and then. So if we then take the next bit, which is where it says he'll send his angels and they will gather in the elect from the four winds. Usually we see that at the end of time, Jesus comes back, the angels go out and collect all the Christians in. But maybe it's not that, as Tom Wright suggests. It's actually about us being the angels, the church being the angels, and going out and bringing the people in. And it's actually about the spreading of the gospel. Because Jesus said three things are going to happen in, the, in this time after, after his death and resurrection. There's going to be the taking of the gospel. There's going to be the persecution of the church. And there's going to be dark times. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, floods, terrible things happening. And that's all going to go on simultaneously. But looking back, sort of, we're looking at 70 AD. It seems a long time ago. It doesn't seem very relevant to us, but it was utterly in Jesus' mind. Now, Jesus was a prophet, and he knew exactly what was going to happen. He could see the Roman Empire getting more brutal. He could see the Jewish people getting more fervent about their God and their place. And he knew that there was going to be a massive clash and it could only end one way because of the power of the Roman Empire. And you can see, if you look at his teachings and see them instead of timeless truths, as a desperate attempt 
to get the Jews to think his way. It's all about being nice to the Romans, turning the other cheek, carrying stuff an extra mile, loving their enemies, because that is the only way Jerusalem and the Jews could be saved from the terrible calamity that was going to happen. And what did happen? Well, in the the mid-60s, the Romans, being even more unpleasant than usual, tried to put their religious symbols in the temple. The Jews fought back, the Jews won, and the Romans were thrown out. But of course, the Roman Empire is very powerful, and they weren't going to have this, and they came back. And they didn't just come back at any time. They came back with genocide in mind. So they waited until Jews from all over the known world had come into Jerusalem for Passover and it was packed out. And then they laid a siege. And many died of starvation in the siege. And then the Roman army, they pulled down the walls of Jerusalem, went in and slaughtered all the people. And um, if you read... Matthew 24, the sort of first bit before our reading, it says about the absolutely awful thing that happened and the terrible times. And it must have been very bad. The historian Josephus reckons that over a million people died in Jerusalem. And if you think of the actual population of the world in those days, that was a significant proportion. So it was bad. But what about the Christians of that time? Well, remember that the Jewish Christians would have been brought up believing in the importance of Jerusalem and the temple, the same as the disciples. But they'd kind of left that behind and they had a new allegiance to Lord God, to Jesus in glory in heavens ruling the universe. And that superseded their feelings for the temple and Jerusalem and so they were living parallel lives and they didn't feel they needed to to stand with the Jews against the Romans and in fact they used Jesus's signs for the these were the signs that this was going to happen and he says in our passage in sort of an earlier bit he says that there's going to be the abomination of desolation from Daniel in the temple And when that happens, you know to flee. In Luke, he says, when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, you know to flee. And according to um, church traditions, the Christian Jews did flee, and they weren't part of this massacre. Some of them didn't go to Jerusalem in the first place, and the rest left when there was a a minor recovery from the siege. It just, just stopped for a while, and they all escaped. So they followed Jesus' signs. And then we have the sort of 2,000 years after that. And what's happened? Well, as Jesus said, things have gone on the same way. People have shared the gospel. The church has been persecuted and there have been dark times. But the signs for Jesus, for, that Jesus was talking about, the signs to be prepared for, were actually the signs to escape from the fall of Jerusalem. And we know that Jesus says in this passage that when he comes back in the last time, there will be no signs. And no one will be able to miss it. It'll be like lightning in the sky. 
And that's really important because in 2,000 years, we can easily fall asleep. It's a long time to wait. It's a long time to keep watching. And the point of Advent is to wake us up. It's to make us realize that we need to be past. We don't need to be sucked into our civilization, into the beliefs of our society. We are different. We're the people who are watching for Jesus' return. Now, for the Jews in Jesus' time, for the disciples, they built their lives around the certainty of Jerusalem and its walls, of the temple and God's presence. That was what was important to them. What's our equivalent? What are we building our lives on? For some, it could be being English or British and the importance of that. For many of us, it's about being part of Western democracy. For some, it, well, for all of us really, it's about capitalism, isn't it? And if we kind of look at the way we're living our lives, we're living according to the expectations of Surrey in the 21st century, I think, the importance of a really good education, the importance of a good job, the importance of a nice house, all these things, and they just sort of creep up on us, don't they? And we, we take them in. But we need to be like the church in, the, in those early days. We need to actually build our lives. We'll be living, we'll be having educations, we'll be having careers, we'll, be ha we'll have to live in houses, but our foundation is not those. Our foundation is the risen Lord in glory with dominion over everything. And of course, the church is still persecuted and bad things are happening in the world. Now, for most of my life, life in, um, in Britain in the 20th and early 21st century has been pretty good, hasn't it? Um, I'm too young to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis and don't remember much about the Cold War, but things seem fairly stable. And then suddenly, everything seems to be going wrong. I have the political unrest following Brexit, COVID. We've got um, war in Europe. We've got the, the attack on Western democracy from Russia and China. We've got the possibility of nuclear war. And that's without even thinking about the climate crisis and the awfulness that's going to um, cause. And of course, beyond that, Jesus is coming back like lightning unexpectedly, and there will be a judgment. But like the Christians escaping from the fate of Jerusalem, we're actually not on that collision course. We're on a course to get through the judgment because Jesus died in our place and be in the new heaven and the new earth where God reigns, where everything's going to be beautiful, there's going to be no death, there's going to be no tears, there's going to be no suffering, there's going to be no sorrow. That's our trajectory, that's where we're going. And what's our role? We're to be the rescuers. Now Jesus sent the Jews to share the gospel, the Christian Jews to share the gospel and they were rescuing people from 
an eternal fate, but they were also rescuing people from the fate that was going to happen in 70 AD. And in the same way, we're to be active on this earth. We're to be helping people be warm enough to feed the hungry, to, to clothe the naked, to, to care for people. We're here to build a, an amazing, miraculous community that people become part of. But most of all, and more than anything else, we're here to tell people about the truth that Jesus reigns in glory on high and has all dominion. And one day he will come back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Which means Advent is a time for us to wake up and remember who we are and who Jesus is.